more flexibility for next-gen TV broadcasters, closing the homework gap in America, opening the Internet in Cuba, thoughts on the NCE window, all that plus dingers coming up. R-E-C, F-C-C Today, meet you Bradley. This is FCC Today, the podcast for Monday, November 8, 2021. The FCC has announced today that it will commit over $421 million in the latest round of emergency connectivity fund announcements, bringing total program commitments to over $3 billion. Funding is used to support off-campus learning, such as nightly homework and virtual learning, as schools and libraries continue to respond to the pandemic. In a statement, FCC Chairwoman Jessica Rosenworcel said, far too many students lack the connections they need to get online and stay connected to their teachers. Thankfully, Congress gave us the tools through this program to make a real difference in our communities and will work to close the homework gap and help schools and libraries engage in online learning. The Senate has introduced the Protecting Against Tyrants by Restoring Internet Access and Yielding Vital Interconnectivity in Designated Areas Act, also known as the Patria y Vida Act. The legislation would require the U.S. to establish and maintain the capability to transmit Internet access into foreign countries where the provision of uncensored Internet would promote freedom from oppressive regimes. This Republican-led legislation was introduced by Senators Rubio and Scott of Florida and Haggerty of Tennessee. On Friday, Commissioner Brendan Carr released a statement supporting the legislation that he says, quote, sets forth a smart two-part plan for restoring Internet services in Cuba and in other territories where oppressive regimes depend on darkness to maintain control. Carr continues, passing the Patria y Vida Act would show America's support for freedom and advance our country's strategic interests around the world. Carr, along with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, are urging the Biden administration to stand with the Cuban people by ending the regime's Internet blockade. The FCC has announced the comment dates for PS Docket 21-346, which proposes to improve communications reliability and potential changes to the rules regarding disaster reporting. Issues being discussed that may impact broadcast stations include requirements to use the FCC's disaster information reporting system and potential requirements for infrastructure to have backup power sources in areas that are impacted by a natural disaster. Comments are being accepted until December 6, 2021, with reply comments due January 4, 2022. Use proceedings 21-346-15-80-04-35. In Dingers, KAZTLLC was dinged $3,500 for failing to timely file a license to cover application on TV translator K30DT, Flagstaff, Arizona. The construction permit involved had an expiration date of July 13, 2021. KAZT did not file a license application until October 14. On October 19, KAZT asked for a waiver and demonstrated that the translator was constructed prior to the expiration of the permit. They also cited an administrative error in their failure to timely file the application. 
ATSC 3, also known as Next Generation Television, is starting to expand into more markets. ATSC 3 is an improvement on the current ATSC 1 digital television standard that will allow for new services and better technical performance. ATSC 3 is not compatible with the current ATSC 1 system. This will mean that a single TV channel cannot have a mix of both ATSC 1 and ATSC 3 transmissions. The ability to operate ATSC 3 is purely voluntary by broadcasters, and there's currently no timeline for the discontinuance of ATSC 1 services. If a broadcast station wishes to provide ATSC 3 services, they are required to continue providing ATSC 1 services. Unlike the previous transition from NTSC Analog to ATSC One Digital Television, full-service TV broadcasters are not able to get a companion channel for the new incompatible format. Instead, broadcasters have to reach channel-sharing arrangements with other stations in order to simulcast their programming in the two formats. The simulcast must be substantially similar between the ATSC One and ATSC3 versions of the transmission. The licensee running the transmitter is considered the host station. In November 2020, the National Association of Broadcasters expressed concerns regarding these arrangements where it comes to the carrying of the multicast streams of TV stations, as other broadcasters have been hesitant to host these simulcasts. As a result, the NAB has filed a petition for rulemaking to allow for more flexibility where it comes to the simulcasting of multicast streams. Specifically, the NAB wants either clarification or rulemaking to allow a next-gen TV broadcaster to license its simulcast multicast streams either on the same host that carries the station's primary program stream or on different simulcast host stations allow a next-gen broadcaster to license atsc1 multicast streams that are not simulcasted in atsc3 either together with their primary streams host or on different hosts and to license atsc3 multicast streams that are not available on atsc1 in a similar manner In a second further notice of proposed rulemaking that was adopted on November 4, the FCC is considering the first two of NAB's three requests. The FCC finds that giving the ability for stations to broadcast their ATSC-1-only multicast stations on other hosts will help preserve the multicast streams that viewers watch today. The FCC has declined to seek comment on the NAB's third proposal to allow for host station licensing of ATSC-3-only programming streams. As no stations have applied for an STA for this type of arrangement, the FCC feels that any action on this proposal at this time would be premature. The NPRM will also look at the ability for non-commercial educational broadcast transmitters to be able to host commercial streams in a manner that is consistent with the non-commercial mandates under Section 399B of the Communications Act. The NPRM will also look at concerns over spectrum aggregation, where through hosting arrangements, a full-service station may be providing more services than what would otherwise be available on a 6 megahertz channel within a single standard, extending existing waivers of the ownership rules to address multicast streams on hosts, as well as issues related to the differences in coverage between 
program streams on a licensee's transmitter and those that are hosted at other stations. Comment dates for the second further notice of proposed rulemaking in GN Docket 16-142 will be determined at a later date after publication in the Federal Register. One of the questions I've been getting from folks is, how many applications do you think have been filed so far in the NCE filing window, which is going to close tomorrow, Tuesday um, at 6 p.m.? And in order to determine this, we need to look at the number of, uh, we need to look at the file numbers so far. Now, the FCC did cut off raw data on the, the end of business on the 29th. So we do have a file number from there of 165186. Now, even though the raw data has been cut off, we still get an ELMS feed and um, the ELMS is the REC exclusive system that goes out and monitors the FCC's uh, LMS public view page and then extracts applications based on that. ELMS covers um, all the administrative applications for all services that go through LMS. It also covers the FM engineering applications that go through LMS. It does not cover the TV engineering. We were able to find since November, I mean, sorry, since October 29th, we've been able to find 784 applications in ELMS. So these are not NCE filing window applications. I also took a look in the LMS public view at applications that were filed for television for things that were not covered in ELMS and would never reach our system. And there was uh, about 250 of those applications. So those are mainly TV engineering applications. Our highest file number right now in ELMS as of 1030 this morning was 166823. So that's a difference of 1,637 in the file numbers. Again, we counted 784 in ELMS and the look at the public view, we said about 250 unsupported uh, TV applications. And keeping in mind that not all those, those could also include amendments to applications that were filed originally before the 29th. So at the low end of that, you're looking at right now about 603. Absolute worst case scenario, 853. I think we are somewhere in the 600 range right now as far as the number of NCE applications that have been filed. Many people file on the last day or the second to last day, which is today. So I expect this number to go up quite a bit. And uh, tomorrow at the podcast when we start recording, I will run these same numbers again and let's see what we find out. FCC Today, Today, the podcast is available through Podbean, TuneIn, iHeart, and Amazon, as well as from the FCC Today website, FCC.today. Call or text our comment line, 202-963-0852. That's 202-963-0852. Email us at FCCToday at RECnet.com. And look for us on Twitter at FCC underscore today. This is Michelle Bradley, Certified Broadcast Technologist. 
Thank you for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow, the final day of the NCE window. R-E-C. R-E-C. R-E-C.